Hi, friends, and welcome to Robcast 120, episode 120. This is Wisdom Part 5, and this episode is called How to Think About the News. And the reason why uh, I want to talk about how to think about the news is because there is this question that, that I have heard so many times recently. It came up again. I was in Boston yesterday for the How to Be Here experience, and a version of this question came up again. The question is something along the lines of, um, how do you watch the news and not lose your mind? <laughs> Sound familiar to anybody? How, how do you see what's happening and not get depressed or overwhelmed? Whether it's uh, another young African-American man unarmed being shot by a police officer, or it's the Zika virus arriving in some new area, or whether it's Syria, or whether it's the terror of a Trump presidency. Uh, it's really, really fascinating to me how many people have this question. Almost like the question is like, please tell me that everybody isn't completely losing their minds. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like a helpless, paralyzed, slightly depressed about the state of the world. Um, it's almost like there's a question behind the question, which is, are things getting worse? Is the whole thing coming un undone? Um, and then almost like the question behind the question behind the question is, please tell me there's this mass of sane, rational people who also think that some of the things that are unfolding in our midst are complete madness. Um, so, well, I'm just say up front, yes, there are. There are lots of us who think that some of this is completely insane. So let's start there. You're not alone. And you're not alone in your question, how do you watch and listen to the news and not get depressed and frustrated and anxious? How do you think about the news? So I want to talk about this. And, uh, oh, but first I should tell you, um, my next Largo show is October 26th. And uh, I'm doing this, I got this whole new one-man show on the spirituality of flowers, uh, the evolution of bee pollination, how that relates to the colors of flowers, and how that relates to architecture, to Genesis chapter 1, and to you dancing in your kitchen. So I have this whole new thing on the aesthetics of survival that I am, oh my word, seriously, seriously, friends, uh, raise your glasses. So good. I'm so excited. But then um, my friend Pete Rollins, our beloved friend Pete Rollins is going um, to join me and he's going to do a bit on the front end. In England, Pete did this, this talk about this Stalin propaganda poster it was so profound. I'm, I, I, I think about it every day. The insights. So he, on the front end, he's going to do some, he's going to do that bit. And then I'm going to do this whole new thing on the spirituality of flowers. And uh, so I, that's October 26th at Largo here in Los Angeles. Would love to see you there. And then uh, um, early November, I'm going to be with Deepak Chopra at the Chopra Center. He's doing a whole week long thing. I'm going to show up towards the end. And I'm doing this uh, new thing called Your Atomic Self. And then Deepak and I are going to do a session together, <laughs> which is a which is a seriously a good time waiting to happen. And then uh, early November at the Improv, I'm doing the third of the Finding Your Groove series for spiritual leaders. So all you life coaches, yoga teachers, nutritional counselors 
pastors, priests, rabbis, activists? Um, how do you guide people? How do you, how do people grow? What's happening in the world? It's shifted so much. What does it look like to lead people, to lead a community? Um, where's it all headed? Those are some of the things I have all this new uh, teaching I'm going to do, and then you're going to meet all these interesting people. And there, uh, there, I had some hopes for some surprise guests, and um, they all said yes. So there's going to be some surprises. I will not say anything more other than raise your glasses. So good. Now, uh, let's talk about the news. Um, first, let's talk about the news and how you process the world as it's coming at you. Because central to the wisdom tradition, and when we talk about the wisdom tradition, we're not talking about IQ. We're not talking about how much money you have or intelligence or whether you got good grades or how much education you have. Central to the wisdom tradition is the conviction that wisdom is available to everybody. Wisdom is knowing how to act and where to place your steps as you walk the path. Wisdom is available to everybody. In the wisdom tradition, wisdom is personified as a woman. She She's calling to you. She's singing in the streets. She takes, uh, as that one line in Proverbs, she takes delight in the goodness of creation. She sees the divine presence everywhere. So uh, wisdom is like this raucous woman who's walking down the streets singing and inviting everybody to listen to her. Like uh, Proverbs chapter four, uh, um, actually Proverbs chapter eight, blessed are those who listen to me, she says watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. So central to the wisdom tradition is waiting daily, waiting at my doorway. We might say like she's standing in the driveway. It's about developing a practice. It's about walking a path. It's about being grounded and centered. And here's why this is so important. Without a path, without a practice, without routines and rituals that ground and center you, the world just gives you fragments. It fire hoses us with bits and pieces that don't have any larger narrative glue or thread. Have you ever had that sense? You got this email, saw this commercial, ran by that billboard, heard that little video clip somebody sent you, and it's none of it is in any way related to any of the other bits of it. It's all just this flotsam and jetsam flying at you with no order or organizing principle. And you know what that does? That makes you crazy. That can make a person crazy. It can make a person depressed. It can make a person disoriented. It's like vertigo of the soul. So what's interesting is, is as more and more people have left behind faith traditions, we actually need rituals and practices and paths more than ever in the modern world, because the, the modern world more than ever is unanchored from any larger story. And so all it does is just tell you, just buy things, just do this, just go here. And uh, so sometimes the anxiety that you are feeling is because there is no larger practice or path that is giving you a lens through which to see things. Like Proverbs chapter four, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you, give careful thought to the paths for your feet, be steadfast in all your ways. 
So at the heart of the wisdom tradition is you and I having a practice, having a path, fixing our gaze, giving careful thought to our paths. So one of the reasons why uh, I, I want to talk about how to think about the news is if you don't give the news some thought and reflection, then it's just random bits and pieces coming at you. No wonder it's disorienting. No wonder it's overwhelming. No wonder it creates all sorts of anxiety. Uh, in, in many traditions, there is, there is a liturgy. So there is a flow to the year. So there are times when you celebrate new things being born. There are times when you let things die that need to die. There are times when you grieve that which you've lost. There are times when you surrender and you cry out for whatever it is that you need. There are times when you reflect on your power. There are times when you reflect on your weakness and frailty. Uh, there are prayers for different seasons of life. You can see why people developed these is so that you would have a thread that would hold your life together. So there'd be some glue to all the bits and pieces. Now what's happened in the modern world is many people are without these threads and narratives and glue. And so uh, it doesn't take much coming at you to throw you off. So this is why uh, I talk about wisdom and this is why we talk about wisdom in relation to the news is I wanna give you a couple of ways to think about the news to help ground and center you so that uh, you aren't just tossed around because otherwise it can kind of make a person crazy. Are you with me? So first, let me start with making a distinction between journalism and media. And uh, I, would, I would begin with this idea of the journalist. There is this calling, this role, this art, this sacred task of the journalist in culture. The journalist is the one who uh, holds those in power accountable for their actions. They shine light into the darkness. They expose corruption. They expose schemes that are meant to put money in the pockets of the elites and take it out of the pockets of the masses who need it to feed their families. Um, the movie Spotlight is an a beautiful example. And I would argue it's not just a beautiful movie um, and it's not just a story that needs to be told, but underneath it all, what that movie Spotlight was doing in some ways was showing you the beauty of the sacred task of journalism to shine the light on darkness and to tell the stories that need to be told. And so there has been, uh, there, there are journalism schools. There, is a, there are rules for how it works. There are standards. There is the journalist as this, I would say, sacred, holy calling in culture to stand up to power and say, no, you will not get away with that. You also can see then, like, like all of the journalists who have been uh, mysteriously murdered in Russia, you can see how dangerous that is, that you uh, silence the journalists you kill journalists, you make them disappear under questionable circumstances, you can see how that right away erodes the very fabric of a culture. 
because there have to be these truth tellers who let everybody know what's really happening. It's central to the lifeblood of a culture. So I would make a distinction. There is the power of journalism to tell the stories that need to be told. And then there's media, which is this massive billion-dollar hairball of news and kind of journalism and video clips and shocking headlines and scandal and controversy and personalities who aren't really interested in informing you, but are interested in furthering stereotypes and stoking anger. And you are you with me on this? There is journalism, this beautiful, absolutely necessary uh, role that people play in culture. And then there is this kajillion dollar media hairball that we are surrounded by on all sides. And I make that distinction because it's more around us than ever. We'll talk about a mount in a a moment, but let's just go back and think about the first day of a newspaper. Uh, And this is a bit of a caricature, but others have written about this in, in greater detail and eloquence. Think about the, uh, the first day of a newspaper, something massive happened, and so somebody put out a newspaper and they put a giant headline telling about this massive event that had happened the day before. And then they sold advertisements in the newspaper in order to uh, pay for the production of the newspaper. But you now have a newspaper and tomorrow you have to put out the newspaper. But tomorrow there might not be an event of equal significance that happened to report on, but you still have to put out the newspaper. You with me here? So you have to put something on the front page, but the something that you're going to put on the front page, the second day of the newspaper, is nowhere near as significant or, or newsworthy as the thing that you put on the first day on the front page of the newspaper. But now you have a business and you have to put something, so you're going to put something on the front page that will have the same size font and appear to be as newsworthy because look, it's above the fold, it's the front page of the newspaper, but it's actually not. So the nature of the newspaper is you quickly had a business entity that needed to put something on the front page, whether or not something the day before actually happened that was front page worthy. And so you can see how this billion-dollar media hairball that is coming at you from every direction has to put something on its proverbial front page, whether or not something that is front page worthy actually happened. And it isn't just that it has to put something, but we as human beings find controversy scandal, conflict, and dissension simply more interesting than other things. So there's an element of human uh, nature. And uh, I, should tell you a st- I should tell you a story. I've actually never told this story publicly. Um, I did my first speaking tour in 2006. It was called Everything is Spiritual. And we did 25 uh, American cities in 28 days. And my family came, and uh, I mean, it was it was it was an extraordinary, exhausting, exhilarating month. 
but it uh something happened in order to do a, a city a day you need to have a tour bus and then you sleep all night and you wake up in the next city and so you get like this tour bus that has bunks on it and everybody in the family would have a bunk and then you show up in the next city and away you go you wake up sort of in the alley behind the next night's venue each morning and so uh, I had entrusted somebody to get a tour bus and a week before the tour found out that that uh, person didn't know what they were doing and the bus fell through and we didn't have a bus. And um, that was uh, slightly nerve wracking. Let's put it that way. It was, um, there was like a, a panic, like, whoa, we, we do not have a bus. So we started calling around and... Uh, buses get taken in the summer because most people tour in the summer and we called everybody every bus company and called and called and called and eventually we found i swear to you the only tour bus that was available in america and this tour bus the only bus that was available in america um, happened to be owned by a very famous musician you've heard of who had had the bus custom designed for he and his wife and young kid. And, uh, so I had in the beginning been like, I just, we just need a, we just need a really basic bus. Like we just need a bus with a couple of bunks. Um, but this one bus, the only bus that was available when it showed up, it was, it was the, it, it looked like <laughs> if you were on it, you'd be like, this is the kind of bus that a very, very famous wealthy musician would probably customize for his family. It looked like what I'm describing. It had like, I think, marble floors and these really nice mirrors and art. Uh, it was like a really nice tour bus. Like I would never have uh, leased a bus that nice. It's just not our style. It's not my family's style. We, we like to go. Uh, that's just not how we roll. Literally not how we roll. So I was sort of mortified, like, but so grateful that we'd found the one bus that was available. So the New York Times said, we want to do a feature profile on your tour. We want to send a writer out to go on the bus with you for a day, to spend the night on the bus, and then to cover the events um, for a day, because we want to do like a full picture profile of your tour. And uh, I, I think the New York Times are great. Uh, to this day, I continue to check the New York Times on a regular basis. The New York Times are like, and for many people, they're like the sort of the gold standard of journalism. So uh, the New York Times sent out a writer who I have followed for years. Um, I had read his stuff. Like this writer was like somebody, um, I really was like, oh my word, so-and-so is coming out. That is amazing. Um, so I got to hang out with this writer that I've admired for years. It was, it was an amazing experience. But he shows up at the bus, and I said to him, okay, here's the deal. I said, uh, we had a bus lined up. The person I thought was taking care of it wasn't up to the task. At the last minute, our bus fell through, which was just your, your run-of-the-mill tour bus. I said, we literally had no bus a week ago. And I tell him this whole story I just told you. So we called around everywhere, desperate, because we had to find a bus. And this is the only bus in America. So I said, before you get on the bus, just know I'm mortified that you're going to see this bus, because this is totally not our style. I do this huge over-the-top disclaimer, like, please understand this is not how my family and I roll. This is the only thing we could get. Could you please not like write about how nice this bus is in your story because it would totally 
it would just be so like mortifying to me and not reflective of how we do things. It's just blah, blah, blah. So I do this whole thing. A couple of week later, I'll never forget, I'm in Los Angeles on the tour. I go into a restaurant. They have the New York Times there. I open it up, and there are these pictures of the tour and a feature profile on the tour, and I start reading, and I think the second or third paragraph is like, Rob Bell says this as he reclines in his luxury marble-floored tour bus with all of the amenities that are available, like, oh, come, you just, you had to, didn't you? I even asked you slightly pleadingly to not mention it, but you just had to, didn't you? (laughs) So this giant media hairball, even the great ones that I have huge respect for, it's almost like it can't help but throw in a little controversy, a little edge, a little hint, a little maybe scandal. How many times you've read something and it's like, are they saying there's a scandal? Like, it, it's almost like it just can't help it. So, now, uh, a couple of thoughts. I want to talk about amount, timing, weight, urgency, and celebrity. And then I want to talk about the very practical, what you do in response to all this. First off, amount iPad, phone, computer, laptop, TV, now watch. Um, You have news coming at you in so many more ways than we used to. In the old world, you uh, remember like dad would sit down with the paper after dinner. Like there was a time my grandparents had these TV trays and they would make dinner, put them on these trays, and then go into the um, living room and sit and eat dinner off of these trays and watch the evening news. Uh, Local at 6, national at 6.30. Like news had like a, a rhythm or a timing to it. You would watch the news at 6. You would read the paper first thing in the morning or um, after dinner or Sunday afternoon, there was an extra thick paper that would be strewn out and you would read it. Um, And I know I'm completely dating myself, but think about how quickly news has lost all sense of um, timing. I learned that LeBron James was leaving Miami to go back to Cleveland on the beach, working out with the trainer and hearing a beep, and it was a notification on his phone from ESPN that there was a breaking headline. His phone beeped because he has it set so that when there's a sports headline, whatever he's doing, he'll hear a beep to know something apparently has happened in relation to sports. And he picked up, he pulled his phone out of his pocket and he went, LeBron James is going back to Cleveland. Think about that. Think about that. We were on the beach along the ocean and were interrupted by a sound that told us about an athlete in Miami who was going to go play a game in a different city for millions of dollars. 
That is a weird world. <laughs> Are you with me? So it isn't just amount and and the ubiquity of sources. It's the timing and the way in which news now comes with no rhythm or schedule, it can, if you want, and you can set your phone up, come at you whenever somebody in an office somewhere decided that you should know this. So instead of you deciding, I'm going to sit down and open up the paper and find out what's happening in the world, somebody now in an office somewhere in a cubicle can decide that this bit or piece or fragment is push notification beep worthy enough that I'm going to make people's phones buzz all over the world with this little thing, which might be this person who gets paid to play a game is going to go live in a different city and get paid to play that game. And you know I love LeBron, greatest basketball player ever. Uh, by the way, I just I love saying that because of how many sports fans will just go bonkers with that. But the greatest ever, like that's the world that we're living in. Now, amount, timing, thirdly, weight. And this is the thing that I think is so spiritually devastating. Huffington Post recently, uh, they have scrolling headlines on the Huffington Post app. And each headline takes up the, mo- the same amount of space as you scroll through on your screen. They had a headline about the civil war in Syria. And the headline after it was what Kim Kardashian wore out to dinner. Now, here's the thing. The civil war in Syria... And what Kim Kardashian wore to dinner the night before got the same amount of screen space. Uh, The ancient Hebrews had this word kavod. Kavod means like weight. It was uh, like weights and measures in business. Um, Because to find out how valuable something is, you had to know how much it weighed. So kavod was originally a business term. And it referred to just how, some, how, much, how much the gold weighed, how much the silver weighed, how much the food weighed. But over time, kavod came to refer to that which was holy or sacred, that which weighed more, um, that which had more significance to it. It was loaded. Um, and I would argue that what that does when events involving massive loss of life and oppression get the same space as what somebody wore to dinner, those events have very different kavod. And what it does to a person is if this weighs the same as this, then nothing weighs anything. What it does to spirit and soul and heart is it throws off your internal meter because you, you, soul, spirit, your, your, your sense of the numinous, the infinite and the divine, what this does for you in life is it helps you discern 
this person is hungry and that matters and I ought to do something about that. And this comment that this person made over here is trivial. It makes no sense. And I ought to not give that much weight and just blow it off because this thing over here, the way that you actually navigate life is you're constantly making decisions about what matters and what doesn't, what you're going to give your energies to, what you're not. What has kavod and what is, what's heavier and what's lighter? Actually, the rabbis even use this phrase, heavier and lighter, as a way of discerning what do you do in different situations where there's conflict and you don't quite know, should I do this or do that? They even talked about weighing things and uh, as a way of discerning how to act in the world. And what much of modern media does is it fire hoses you with bits and pieces that have no kavod or way of discerning what of this matters and what of this doesn't. I am deeply grieved about that news headline about the civil war in Syria. I'm also deeply grieved that I know what somebody wore to dinner the night before. It's actually deeply, deeply destructive for the flourishing of the human spirit. Are you with me, people? Man, I got like, I got like preaching on that. Uh, now, amount, timing, weight, or kavod. And then fourthly, urgency. The problem with the way that modern news is coming at you is somebody somewhere decided that something was urgent. And so you get, especially now, local news, which to me is just all, it's like a joke. Um, we interrupt this to show you a car chase. Breaking news, a house is on fire. Now, obviously, somebody is losing their house, and that is terrifying. But somebody somewhere decided that you needed to know that there's a car chase on the 91 that just turned down to the 405. Why do you need to know this? Why, why, why do you need to know this. Breaking news, a car was broken into behind a bank on 3rd Street. Why, why do you need to know this? Breaking news, Tom Brady is on vacation. <laughs> Literally this week, breaking news, Tom Brady and his wife are on vacation in Italy. I know that. <laughs> I know that. Now you know that. Do you see how this massive media hairball decides, it invents something. It invents the idea of breaking news and then it communicates to you with great urgency that this is something you should know about. And part of wisdom is stepping outside and realizing why do you get to decide that this is breaking news? Somebody somewhere is making decisions about what is breaking news and then if you aren't thinking it through and reflecting on it and guiding your steps, you're letting their decisions dictate what gets in your ears and your brain and your eyes. Uh, we, over the past two weeks, if uh, you follow any sort of news streams, you have learned that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are getting a divorce. Um, this is incredibly sad. Divorce is sad. 
Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie getting divorced is really, really sad. It's also really, really sad that you and I know that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are getting divorced. It's sad for their kids and for a family that's essentially under great trauma and being split apart. It's even, it's, it's, it's also sad that you and I are getting updates. Somebody showed me the filing for divorce because that's a public document. How warped and upside down is our world when you and I can see somebody we've never met's divorce filing papers because it got posted online. And that, it was in my email, it, I have no idea how, um, as an urgent breaking news item. Someone decided that I should get an email about people I've never met getting divorced. This is the world that you and I live in. Amount, timing, weight, urgency, and then one more thing, uh, celebrity. There uh, are vans. There is a TMZ tour van that goes by our house almost daily. And what they do all around our neighborhood is um, they take these vans, there's maybe like five or six rows of seats, and then they chop off the top, and there's somebody up front with like a headset mic, and then the people all wear headphones, and they drive around this part of Los Angeles showing them, uh, I don't know, famous sites or something, where people live, or um, they show them the improv, they show them um, Melrose, they show them Fairfax District, they show them Beverly Hills, they show them all that. A TMZ tour bus passes in front of my house. Now, the reason why I tell you that is there is a, what, billion dollar industry based around celebrity, around telling you tiny little bits of trivia and information about famous people. Uh, I actually, oh wait, I should probably make it really clear here. It goes by our house because there's uh, a couple of landmarks, this direction and that direction. And apparently we're like the shortcut to get over from this to that because there's traffic everywhere. Uh, but it's funny is I can hear the person talk when they go by telling the people, up ahead on the left, you're gonna see this. Back there, you're going to see that. Uh, you and I live in a culture where hundreds of millions of dollars is spent recreating high school. <laughs> I love that line because that's what it is, right? There are the popular people. There are the cool people. There are the people who have... Uh, all the success and they're beautiful. There are literally vans that you can go and pay money to essentially be told gossip. At some level, it's gossip. Now, some things are very interesting. Um, some landmarks are, Im are important and compelling for a reason. But when it's TMZ, their primary interest is not cultural and artistic influence and importance and significance. 
the money is being made telling you who's in a fight with who, who cheated with who, who's upset with who, what scandal went down where. And this is all around us all the time. If I go into the local drugstore uh, to buy whatever, shampoo for my daughter, I walk by 20 magazines telling me who's dating who, who broke up with who, who cheated on who, who's now single, but she's going to make it because she's strong. It's all around us all the time. Now, I say all that just to break it down because in the wisdom tradition, what you do is you, you essentially reflect on the whole thing so that you know how to act. So now in light of all that, the good news, first, uh, let, let's just get really practical. First, you're probably seeing too much. Just as a general rule, you're probably seeing too much. You probably have really ridiculous headlines and facts and gossip and innuendo and insinuation, you probably have too much stuff going into your brain. The fact that you and I know who uh, might be getting divorced, the fact that we know who wore a very revealing dress to dinner in Paris the other night, the fact that you and I can talk about some of these things, the fact that you and I can have a discussion that lasts more than 10 seconds about who Taylor Swift is or isn't dating is probably a reflection that we are simply allowing too much to get over the bow of the ship. Are you with me? Um, so probably what has happened is with this massive growth of this billion dollar hairball and with more screens, phones, iPad, with more things coming at you. On the plane yesterday, the TV played news the whole time. If I didn't intentionally turn it off, it would just keep um, fire hosing me with all sorts of random bits and pieces. So you're probably seeing too much. So Number two, then, you have to, you're the curator, and, and you have to see yourself as the curator. You probably need to repeat it sometimes. I'm the curator. You have to take back the sources. And what that means is you decide what you're going to expose yourself to and when you're going to expose yourself to it. Um, David Brooks writes for the New York Times, He's so wise and so good. Um, David Brooks will make your life better. Andrew Sullivan will make your life better. Uh, the Lenny site that, that Lena Dunham has put out will make you smarter. Um, Vox.com, come on, so good. So part of it is you have to see yourself as the curator you have to decide. I love the LA Times. Perhaps you have your favorite one. I check the LA Times because uh, I love reading. Um, it's just uh, like I, I get what I need. I get some sense of what's happening in the world. You, you'll have to figure out your thing, but you, you should probably think of yourself as a curator and check things that help you think and reflect upon the world that inform you in helpful ways that help you think deeply about the world around you and you block out everything else. So it's mostly an issue of consuming less that is better. 
I honestly love uh, Time Magazine. I think Time Magazine's excellent. Uh, and uh, the editor there, Nancy Gibbs, shout out, Nancy! Um, she, she's just a, a wonderful woman and full of integrity, who is the classic, like we talked about this, this sacred task of the journalist to tell the stories that need to be told. Um, I have huge love and respect for her, and the magazine is just good. I also am old school. I like paper. I like the tactile feel. Um, and screens to me just, uh, I don't know, I probably was born a bit late for such a thing, but I, I like a paper magazine that comes to the house. There we go. Old school. Um, I also like records. I like the tactile. I like books, paper. I like the feel, the kinesthetic experience. Uh so you probably have too much coming at you. It is probably about having less that can get to your eyes, ears, and brain. Um, but the less is more curated, and it's more focused, and it's better. Secondly, uh, you're the curator. You control the source. You also control the rhythm. You control the rhythm. And uh, that means notifications that come randomly throughout the day about who's getting divorced and who is got traded to what team. Uh, maybe you're a super fan and that's fine, but I actually think it makes a person crazy. I think push notifications about headlines can make a person crazy. Now, obviously there are massive events where um, it's good to know this is happening, oh my word, but as a general rule, somebody in a cubicle somewhere deciding when your conversations and work get interrupted um, is not going to lead to the most healthy, grounded, centered life. So when it comes to breaking news, you know, I tell myself actually, you know, it comes to breaking news, uh, breaking news, I'll decide. <laughs> How'd that be? Those of you who are the tattoo type, how great would that be? A tattoo that just said breaking news question mark, I'll decide. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's funny. Um, it, you can probably hear about it two hours from now and you'll still be fine as a general rule. Uh, so, so one of the mantras that helps me is breaking news, I'll decide. That car chase in Ohio is not breaking news. I've decided that's not breaking news. Okay, that's a car chase in Ohio. I don't need to know that a house is on fire in Portland. I don't need to know. Now, if the mountains north of my house are on fire, I would like to know that. Um, but what's interesting is uh, I'll, I'll probably smell the smoke or somebody will tell me. News has a way of getting to you. Um, news creates a diet uh, and diet shapes your heart. The things that you expose yourself to willingly and voluntarily, uh, it's like a diet. And what you eat, uh, what you eat is directly related to how healthy you are. It's important to think about media and news like a diet, and a constant diet of bits and pieces and random fragments, with no relation to anything else. It, it can make a person sick. So it's important to think about it like a diet. And then uh, next, for all of you who find the news depressing. It's important to remember all that has gone right. 
do you have water coming out of the tap in your kitchen and bathroom? Think about that. It's amazing. That is, think about all of the details and processes that have to be in place so that you can turn the tap and water comes out. The marvel isn't how insane the world is and how it's sliding off a cliff. The marvel is how it doesn't fall apart all the more. I mean, some people have said that, that the city is, is, the, is the greatest marvel in the world. A city is amazing. Trash getting picked up. Think of how many things go right. Think about how many things. I mean, now obviously we are doing great damage to our environment. We are in serious, serious trouble and we have to act differently about our earth. Um, we have the, the, the evidence and data is facts are absolutely overwhelming and you can go all the way back to 150,000 years ago in the ways in which human beings were damaging and affecting the environment. This is a long, long human pattern, but it's really, really, really serious. So there are lots of massive warning signs that we are in serious trouble for future generations and planet Earth because there is no planet B. But at the same time, part of the practice of meditation and contemplation, part of the practice of having a path, part of cultivating gratitude, part of becoming more aware is your growing ability to acknowledge and notice that which has gone right. And remember that this billion dollar media hairball doesn't make a lot of money showing you all that's going right. So all of the people who are planting community gardens so that people can live off the land and live healthier and take more control over their food sources, all of the people starting little businesses to try and make life a little better in that neighborhood and provide a living for some people, all of the teachers who are getting up every morning and going and helping shape young minds and hearts. All of the people who are practicing law with integrity to make things sh sure things are fair. All of the people in healthcare who wake up each morning and give themselves to helping people be healthier. That doesn't get reported because this kajillion dollar media hairball doesn't find that interesting. And it does tell you what Donald Trump is tweeting at 3 a.m. So that is a sick, warped, bastardized system that has billions of dollars invested in getting you the nonsense and has no interest in the millions of people doing really interesting, fresh, compassionate things, standing up to injustice, building bridges. It has no interest in reporting that. And so it's important to remember all that is going right that goes unreported. And so it is, as the curator, one of your chief jobs is to keep all that is going right in front of you. It is to make sure you are exposed. This is the power of good art, good music, good literature, being involved in causes in your community where you see real people 
acting for the well-being of another. And this is why it talks about directing your steps of pursuing wisdom daily is if it's a diet, you want to fill your eyes, your mind, your ears, your heart with all of the good that is going around you. If you're like me, I need to see lots of good because it fills my tank and it reminds me of how the world actually is. This giant kajillion dollar media hairball does not tell you the truth. It tells you a few things that are happening over here, and some of that we do need to know about. It does not tell you about all that is going right. It does no reporting on the wonder and marvel of how this thing continues, the earth continues to rotate, spin around the sun like this thing Sun continues to rise. This is all quite miraculous. Abraham Joshua Heschel talked about how the primary task of life is to live with radical amazement, to take nothing for granted, to, to be blown away with the very nature of your own life. And then a couple more things. Uh, in the wisdom tradition, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago, um, to act when it, is in, when it is in your power to act. So if you find yourself getting really pissed off about what you see in the news, um, if you find yourself like somebody should do something about that, uh, you may be the somebody. So one of the things that I have observed about this horrific Trump train wreck is the number of people who are now thinking about policy. When somebody's running for office who knows nothing about policy, who literally knows nothing about how our shared common life together works. All of these people are suddenly realizing that this actually matters, that who we elect actually matters, that our involvement in all of this actually matters. Um, if you find yourself getting ferociously pissed off about what you see in the news, uh, remember that in the wisdom tradition, you have power to act. And you are going to give your energies to something. And sometimes the question is, why does this make me so angry? Is, it, it, is this wisdom? Is this the divine? Is this spirit saying to me, hey, you need to do something here. You need to do something. You need, you need to get involved. You need to stop yelling at the television. <laughs> we had a group of friends over to watch the debate. And Jeff, my beloved architect friend who lives across the street, is like, dude, I'm so glad we're watching the debate at your house because then your TV is the one that's going to get something thrown at it, not mine. <laughs> but sometimes the fact that you are enraged, this is the inner Christ wisdom speaking to you. It's speaking to you. It's telling you you're enraged because this is something that's wrong. It's out of line. It's out of order. It is not how things are supposed to be. And, and you need to do something. This is the call. This is the wake up. This is the alarm bell. This is the magnet drawing you into your future. So sometimes your rage is a sign of life. It, it's the divine is telling you, hey, hey, listen to that. Listen to that. I got something for you to do. And then let me say something about things uh, that happen thousands of miles away. You're probably like me. You can't, like, I don't really know what I can do tomorrow about Syria. I don't have a lot of ideas, um, but I do have my work. I do have my work. I can wake up and go about my work. And sometimes 
it's important to remember that you waking up in the morning and doing what you're here to do, that's your answer. That's your answer to the news. That's your answer to the suffering. Now, sometimes you're moved and you need to give some money. You need to get involved. You need to sign a petition. You need to go down to the wherever volunteer center and roll up your sleeves. Um, sometimes you're cranked up about the news because there's something that you need to go do. But at a deeper level, let it shape and refine you. When you see what's happening in the world, um, a mantra that's helped me is, this is what I'm doing about it. I'm gonna wake up in the morning, I'm gonna have breakfast, take my daughter to school, I'm gonna walk the dog, and then I'm gonna go do my work. This is what I'm doing about that. I'm doing my part. I can own my space. I can own my life. I can claim my territory. I may not have any ideas about what to do about that, um, but, but I can do something about this. I can do something about this. This is my answer to that. So I'm gonna do my part. And I'm going to trust that others are gonna do their part. And I'm going to trust that when I do my part, it somehow is good for the world. And if you do your part, it's good for the world. And if instead of living with anxiety and fear, immobilized, catatonic, paralyzed, you respond with, this is what I'm going to do about that. I'm gonna do my work in my space, in my territory. That, wow, was a sneeze. Uh, that has helped me immeasurably because the world, its scope and size, it's just too much. But you can own your energies. You're the steward of your energies. You have power to act in your territory. Now, your territory might be Syria. Great. Go. We will cheer you on. Uh, but remember that you have space. You have territory. You have energy. And you being you to the fullness of your you-ness, that is your answer. That is what calms the heart. That is what causes the anxiety to flee. Uh, as your eyes are open, you're curating the flow of news that comes your way, but you're paying attention, and then you do your thing. You do your thing. Because if all of us do our thing, that makes for a better world. So there, my friends, there is a bit about how to think about the news. For all of you who have found yourself the past couple of months thinking, am I losing my mind? No, you haven't. Actually, <laughs> you, you, there's lots of us. There's lots of us, and we're going to be okay. And whatever happens in November, um, four years from now, there'll be another election. So you both pay attention and do your work, and you also remember uh, that there is a temporary nature to the whole thing. My friends, you can swim in the deep stream of wisdom. You don't have to be tossed back and forth. You can live grounded and centered 
in a non-anxious, non-violent way in the world. You can call the insanity what it is. You can call the injustice what it is. You can get angry, you can throw your remote at the television, and then you, whatever it is, you can, you can do all that, that's fine. And then you can wake up the next day and you can do your work, because that's what you're here to do. My friends, grace and peace be with you, especially in how you think about the news.